We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Got some cheeky off-season grades, Nick. Yeah, you know, it's kind of all come together. The signings are about done. Maybe there's another move for the Nets, but right now it seems like this is the likely roster. We're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the Buzz on all streaming platforms. Also, drop a review and give us a follow on Instagram, at Brooklyn Buzz Pod. But, Jack, let's get it started. Nick, let's go back to the draft and sort of, obviously we've got summer league to look back on and we've seen other prospects, I guess, who do you, how do you feel about the draft now that we've had summer league, we've seen other prospects perform, you know, do you think that the Nets made the right choices in Clowney, Whitehead and Wilson, this is a, a, a significant chunk of the Nets off season in terms of who they added to their team, how do you feel about it You know, now that we've had some time removed from it all? Yeah, this was the biggest acquisition of true young talent. You know, they added a lot of young free agents. We're talking about a lot of guys that are, you know, 19 years old. They were 18 at the time of the draft. I think the only guy we really learned a lot about in the summer league was Jalen Wilson. And that looks like a great pick. You know, anytime you can nail a pick in the end of the second round, you know, that's a success. And he looks like he could be an NBA role player potentially this season. And moving forward, forward, he looks like a guy that could be part of an NBA rotation in the playoffs. Now, Noah Clowney, Derek Whitehead, I think the the issue with trying to grade those picks or looking back on those picks is they're long-term prospects. You know, they didn't draft those guys to necessarily have success this year. You know, Dariq Whitehead coming off an injury, we're not sure exactly when he's going to be fully healthy. And Noah Clowney, he's a young prospect, very, very raw, not necessarily anticipated, you know, an impact this season. So it's truly hard to compare those guys to maybe some of the more developed players in summer league, given some of these other guys were drafted to impact their team now and play a role right now where those two, I kind of, I think the nets were looking at them for long-term, you know, in two years, three years, I think we could look back and really start comparing them to other guys right now. I think it would be kind of rash. Yeah. Look, I'll be rash Nick. Cause I decided <laughs> to do like a little bit of just looking at the summer league, looking at some of the, the rest of the draft as a whole. I know you're big on Leonard Miller and he had a, a pretty solid summer yeah. league. The Nets were, were linked to him and, you know, Leonard Miller over Noah Clowney. Some people might be in that bandwagon. I know I was significantly in the Cam Whitmore bandwagon, like a lot of other Nets fans were. He went at pick 20, one ahead of Noah Clowney. So I think that we can look at it. I think it's worthwhile because Look, Noah Clowney had a really poor summer league. Like, if we're if we're being real about it, he showed 
very small glimpses, but you also, you know, some like look at that with the lens of also you saying he's incredibly young. So it's it, you sort of pull all that together and look. Would I have rather had Cam Whitmore on my team? Yeah, probably. Would I rather have Leonard Miller? Maybe not because I think that Cam Whitmore has a ceiling, like in, in a sort of way that like Noah Clowney does. Like Noah Clowney has a, a, a somewhat higher of a ceiling, but Cam Whitmore's already shown as a Summer League MVP that he can impact the game. And look, it's it's fortuitous that he dropped to 20, let alone you know, one pick, you know, just in front of the Nets and were the Nets going to make that trade. Probably not. You know, we, we heard and that's the other thing. Of... We don't really know what was the asking price of moving up X, Y, and Z. I don't think Houston was ever trading the pick because that was the guy they considered with their first pick. You know, that was a guy that they looked at the top of the draft. I think the Nets probably could have swung for him if they really liked him, especially in that teen range. There was a couple teams we know that the Nets had contact with about Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith. So I think that's fair, you know, to ask. We obviously will never know the true details, but it's also like how much were you willing to get up to draft Cam Whitmore? Yeah, no, that's and obviously the Nets have plenty of assets. They've got players, all that different sort of thing. So we don't know and the machination. Maybe a logjam at some of those positions where maybe trading a vet would have benefited some of these other potential players. Possibly, but you possibly don't sign a Darius yeah. Baisley if you if you draft Cam Whitmore. So I think there's some moving pieces, and I, I think obviously we can get into recency bias. I think you and I can at times because we recap every single game so we sort of look at what's happened most recently and you try to look at that into a lens of what is most beneficial for the nets and their future but yeah we'll in 12 months time it might be a better sort of revisiting the 2023 draft and sort i of think honestly maybe there. 24 months this might even be more likely especially because derek whitehead like we said we don't know when he's going to be on the court and it's really hard to kind of grade someone you know when they're recovering from an injury missing an nba training camp you know we know he's potentially has the boot off right now and probably is doing a little bit more but still you know it's hard to replace those reps and noah Clowney, like you mentioned not great in summer league and just looked really really raw and we talked about it on the podcast with tyler like he's a guy that just needs a ton of reps and you know long island could really really benefit him in terms of just getting a better feel for basketball we talked about it on the summer league recap you know he's a guy that almost felt like he was thinking basketball rather than playing basketball yeah, and look, there are rumors around Tariq Whitehead. You know, we saw him at the Liberty Games. People posting photos of him without the boot. There's rumors around, you know, the the doctor who did the surgery that it could be back October by training camp. Yeah, obviously, I think the Nets are, are likely to do a sort of cautious approach as they have with so many of their guys, let alone uh, a young, high-end prospect. But, you know, he's also a guy that really wants to be out there from all the yeah. quotes we've heard from him. So, look, I think I think it's fair to to grade and, you know, analyze Noah Clowney and Jalen Wilson, but, you know, Derek Whitehead, because we don't have a sample size of, of any gay level basketball he hasn't put on a Nets uniform yet so but you know, once that does happen that's when we can sort of start going oh well the Nets did reach too much here or the Nets you know got a steal in the draft that sort of thing so the draft is an interesting one I think you can't totally grade it overall I think it's better that we grade the, the whole off season you know at the end of the pod but it was significant and you can have your misgivings like about Noah Clowney you can like the Jalen Wilson pick a lot and do those things sort of even each other out yeah maybe I think also you look at it too from the process perspective. You know, I think with draft picks and just kind of, you know, every draft pick is kind of a swing, you know, and then sometimes you're swinging for a single, sometimes you're swinging for a home run, a double, a triple, whatever it is. And I think that's what the Nets did, you know, and maybe 
People had issue with the Nets taking two big swings. Maybe it would have been better if they took a smaller swing and then a big swing or, you know, two small swings. You know, I think it's just all kind of your mindset when it comes to the draft. And I think for the Nets, they were just like, hey, we have two picks back to back. Let's take two big swings. And there's a chance that one of these guys are going to hit because we're probably not going to end up with a lottery pick in the next couple seasons unless, you know, things fall apart or we decide to blow it up. So that's kind of probably their their mindset. And again, you can agree or disagree with that. Yeah, and let us know your thoughts. You know, hit Nick and I up in the DMs. You know, hit us up on Instagram. You know, you know where to find us. But we'll get to Cam Johnson's contract because we analyze this. You know, right in the moment. And if you want to hear our our, our thoughts, we were. I feel like I would like to edit some of my thoughts <laughs> on that podcast. And thankfully, we have this episode to do that because the the contract now coming in. You know, is a base salary of ninety million dollars over the four years, with four point seven million dollars in likely bonuses. So let's say it's ninety five million dollars salary, and over th- nearly fourteen million dollars in unlikely bonuses, thirteen and a half million. So that contract is much more basically what Mikael Bridges is on. And I think, you know, you look at Carl Kuzma on a similar contract, and just guys in that sort of range. You know, this is now a deal that I feel pretty optimistic about. Yeah, I think you feel really comfortable with this deal. You know, I don't think it's like a steal or anything like that. I think it's a fair value deal. I think the construction of the contract is really good. And as you mentioned, you know, the likely bonuses, unlikely bonuses. Now, I'm not mistaken, you know, the difference between a likely bonus and unlikely bonus. A likely bonus is something that players done before in a previous season. An unlikely bonus is something they've never done before. So there is a chance that Cam Johnson can hit some of those unlikely bonuses. But if he does, the Nets are probably pretty happy about that because he's taking another step as a player moving forward. And, you know, the the mention of kind of how the contract is constructed is important too, because I think you look at it being a its biggest cap hit is actually this current season, this upcoming season at 25.7 million. Then it gets to 23.6. And then in 25, 26, it's only 21.6 million cap hit. And that kind of gives you an idea. Maybe the Nets are looking to swing in free agency the summer of 2025. And there's some big names, I believe Giannis, Jason Tatum, you know, not necessarily saying the Nets are going to sign those guys, but you could understand why they would try to structure a contract like that and give themselves some real flexibility. Yeah, and if you're looking at the way that the cap is hitting, if the if the cap goes up 10% each year, you know, in year three, year four, when that cap hit is smaller, yeah. you know, and the you know the percentage of 21.6 million of a 180 million dollar cap, I like what they've done here. The structure you alluded to is really good. The base overall is really good, and. Look, I'd be happy if he hits some of those unlikely bonuses. Like maybe yeah. one of them is the Nets make the finals or, you know, he wins the three-point or like he has a, a three-point shooting of like 45% yeah. or 90%. Or he, he makes an all-star team. He makes an all-NBA team. It's like a lot of the things are, if he does well, the Nets will be good. So the unlikely bonuses won't be a bad thing if they do yeah. happen at the same time, even if the cap hit is a little bit more. So yeah, a, a nice maneuvering here from Sean Marks and his team. And I think that this is a good deal, especially with the way that the cap is going because, you know, every team, you know, and, and you know, when we were speaking about, you know, Detroit, Detroit and Houston really wanting to get on him. Look, Dylan Brooks is on a deal that's like a four for 80 and like we've got Cam Johnson for $10 million more. Cam Johnson is like a $20, $30 million better player than, than Dylan Brooks when it comes to, especially on offense. So I think the value overall, when you look at it cumulatively across the league, other, other players, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think you look at it too, is just, you know, 
Cam Johnson is valued across the league, valued by other teams. He's on Team USA. Like that says a lot. You know, it's not like he's a a chump and somebody who wouldn't necessarily start in other teams. Like, and he also, as we've talked about before, showed a lot of promise in that series against the Sixers, and was arguably the the best and most consistent player for the Nets in that series, and just had some big moments, and that gives you some real hope and how he could fit on a championship team. Yeah, disappointing, but understandable that he lost that starting spot to Anthony Edwards. But, you know, maybe maybe he gets it back. I don't think you it's You could still it's play like, a big role off the bench. Absolutely. I think, you know, FIBA basketball is going to be good for us to watch. I'm going to the exhibition games for, for the Boomers in a couple of days' time. Hopefully Josh Giddy balls out and we can steal a medal from, from you guys or at least get one, maybe face you guys in the finals. But, yeah, Mikael Bridge and Cam Johnson, you know, Steve Kerr said a lot of good things about them. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on that and reporting that on the buzz as well. But, I mean, Cal Bridge will play a significant role. I think Cam Johnson will as well. And I think it's going to bode well for, for them moving forward as players within the net system and as individual players. And, you know, you can make an argument that Mikel Bridge is probably the best, one of the three best contracts in the league if I'm being, you know, you're pe- pessimistic and like undervaluing it. But Cam Johnson is going to have like a, a valuable contract too. Yeah. Uh, having that flexibility with Nick Claxton's free agency heading forward, you know, you and I on that episode were, were, were skeptical about it you know, fitting Nick Claxton in or what's going to have to happen with him. This makes it at least more maneuverable. And I think Cam Johnson is going to have a, a nice season, as you alluded to and we've alluded to, you know, the postseason that he had was was really positive. So he's going to continue to grow as a player. Um, and the Nets got him on a nice deal. So let's, let's keep riding. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think it will kind of just see how it all plays out, what steps he kind of takes moving forward with this team and and go from there but overall i think you're happy with the result and happy they retained a player of his quality we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So the the other additions the Nets made were Lonnie Walker, Dennis Wood Jr., Trenton Watford, and Darius Baisley. Now, all of these guys were added on you know, small-ish sort of contracts, you know, whether they're exhibit tens or whether they're minimums, whether they're non-guaranteed sort of deals. Obviously, we've spoken about these signings individually, but as a whole, Nick, how do you feel about the signings that the Nets have made? And when you're looking around the league, the other vet minimum signings, the other contracts have been made to, you know, the likes of Phoenix and the likes of you know, Golden State, you know, maybe some some guys that we would have wanted to, to keep in Brooklyn or, you know, get in Brooklyn. How do you feel about these signings in the way that it's impacted the Nets offseason. Yeah, I think it kind of gets back to talking about process for the Nets and kind of what their goal was of the offseason. Obviously, Sean Marks mentioned some different things in terms of like grit and rebound. They didn't necessarily check those boxes, but just looking at all the signings in a big picture, it's kind of like, let's take some swings. You know, like I mentioned with the, the rookies, take some swings on some guys that are young, haven't necessarily fully developed and could really turn into good role players for the Nets team or future Nets teams, if they pan out correctly. So I like the process, you know, I think it's really hard to determine if the Nets were able to sign some of these other guys that landed in, you know, Phoenix, LA, Golden State, whatever it is, because the circumstances are so different. You know, you're looking at the Nets, they're kind of offering, you know, players an opportunity to develop and maybe showcase their skills and have a real chance to play where some of these other opportunities are more so focused on, you know, let's win a championship. You're going to play a role in a contending team where Brooklyn couldn't offer that. Yeah. I mean, for me, the two that spring to mind, I haven't done like an in-depth amount of research on the the other vet minimums and, and such, but Dario Saric and, you know, retaining you towards an would have been my preferences instead of like, you know, if you say Lonnie Walker didn't sign and the Nets had to retain you to Watanabe on that number, on a vet minimum number, or the Nets had to added Dario Saric on that number, I would have feel, felt a little bit better. I don't think it's like game changing. These are guys that are filling out the roster. They aren't your, your one to five going to be closing games, you know, in, in important moments. So I think it's, we're debating the nitty and gritty, the details, the 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 icing on top when it comes to that sort of thing. But, you know, I also really love the trend to Watford deal. The more I've spoken about, I spoke about it with the, the Nets Kingdom guys in the last episode, check that episode out. Um, but I feel really confident about that deal and, you know, the age that he is and, you know, actually adding a bit of size at the, the four five position. Uh, what what are your thoughts on Trenton Watford? Because I haven't heard them just yet. And I also want to ask you the question that I asked um, the, the Nets Kingdom guys in saying, AJ, about like your favorite signing out of the, the ones that we're, we're talking about now. Yeah, I just want to touch on Yuta and uh, Sara real quick. I think Yuta definitely, I think it would have made sense to probably retain him or, you know, offer him even a slightly more than the veteran minimum, which the Nets could have potentially done. I think Dario was probably always going to Golden State just based off the reporting. You know, we saw early on in free agency he was going to land there, but Yuta, I could understand, you know, wanting to retain him. Maybe there was some you know, disagreement, or maybe he wanted to go after not receiving playing time late in the season, the playoffs, which was kind of interesting, but getting to Watford, I thought that was a great signing. You know, someone who's been brought up by Nets Twitter a lot, uh, another guy where they took a swing, 
you know, and he really showed some promise in Portland and being just a good role player in the NBA. And I think he has some really nice skills to him. He's a versatile offensive player. You know, he's a guy that can roll. He can work in the short roll. He can pick and pop a little bit. You know, you love to see more volume on some of those three-point shots. I think he's a heady basketball player offensively. Defensively, he has potential. You know, he's not necessarily a great athlete, but that 7-2 wingspan definitely comes in handy. And also, I think, you know, you see the high basketball IQ offensively, seeing him maybe a a little bit more of that defensively and having just more reps in an NBA defense will help on that end of the floor. And I think rebounding, he's solid. He's not necessarily a, a great guy. He's also very crafty though, offensively, you know, loves to, you know, use a lot of pump fakes and get under the rim, finish at different angles. And I think the nice thing about him is he does have a little bit of a post-up game, you know, a, a player that can take advantage of a mismatch. And in years past, the Nets have been able to force smalls on bigs and not been able to really do anything with it. It's going to be interesting this year because there's a couple guys on this team that can kind of punch a switch and not you know at a super high efficient level but you know you're getting a point guard on you or one of these really small backup point guards there's going to be opportunities especially with the nets you know pushing in transition it just kind of forces mismatches sometimes so that's going to be interesting to see how he kind of plays with this team you know non-guaranteed contract so but i feel pretty confident he'll end up making the team and has a chance to compete for a role and even play you know small ball five or compliment clacks or ben simmons yeah, I'm looking forward to what he can bring. And again, listen to to the thoughts in the previous episode. Really analytical there from Nick. Nick, before we finish this one up, what's the grade? I'm if I'm being pessimistic or being harsh, I'd give a C plus, but I'm leaning more towards a B minus. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think a C plus is pretty, pretty fair. You know, I don't think they did anything crazy. They didn't take any huge risk. They didn't necessarily fill a ton of needs. They didn't trade any assets. They just took kind of swings. They took a big big swings in the draft and some smaller, low-risk swings in free agency. They didn't necessarily spend a ton of money. They did do a good job of getting off some bad contracts, but most of them were expiring. So it's not necessarily, you know, the end-all be-all. But I like what they did in terms of setting kind of a a, a goal for this upcoming season and identity with this young, hungry team that's going to play great defense and look to develop offensively. You know, there's some fear, I think, with the shooting and the rebounding, which are two huge aspects of basketball. But like you said, C plus, you could get into a B minus, but I feel like C plus is pretty fair because it's just solid. You know, you passed, you're a little bit more than passing, but you didn't do anything crazy to get anyone excited. Yeah, guys, let us know your grades when we drop this episode. Hit us up in the DMs. If we've missed anything or we think you were off track, we always love to hear that feedback. Yeah, 100%. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks for everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.